We are going to dig right in today. We've been in a series over the last couple of weeks entitled Win the Day. Win the Day. And what we've been literally digging into is this idea from the scriptures, born out of the scriptures, that tomorrow doesn't begin tomorrow, guys. Tomorrow always starts today. What we do with today determines tomorrow. The choices we make today determines tomorrow. How we respond to God today determines where we go with God tomorrow. Does that make sense? Right? Let me show you from scripture. We've been looking at this over the last several weeks, but I want to kind of point your attention to it. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 15, says this. So be very careful. Be very careful how you what? Live. How you live. We're supposed to be careful, conscious of what we're doing with life. But watch this. Not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Watch this. Take full advantage every day as you spend your life for his purposes. Now, I want to leave that portion of scripture up for a moment because the original language uses the word redeeming the time. When it talks about taking advantage of every day, it's talking about buying tomorrow today. It's literally talking about paying, bringing back, bringing it to the here and now, what tomorrow holds, bringing that in today. The point is simply this, my friends, that what we do today actually pays for tomorrow. It pays for tomorrow. It pays for it. How we respond to it. And so today I want to talk to you on the topic, directly from God's heart. We're going to see this in scripture. I want to talk to you on the topic of turning pain into gain. Turning pain into gain. Let me tell you why. Because on the journey of faith, there is trouble. On the journey of walking with Jesus, there are things that are going to come against Everything that God has already provided for you. The devil is not sitting back just saying, oh, you know, just be free. Just enjoy your freedom in Christ. Just walk in the blessing of God. No, the devil is not just going to sit back and allow you to walk on this journey of God without providing you resistance. It's the reason why the scripture tells us that we should submit to God, resist the devil because he is trying to work, right? And then he will flee. And so we have to learn how to respond to this pain on this journey of, this, of getting to this place of gain. Let me put it to you this way. We have to learn how to deal with those painful circumstances today so that we don't end up paying for them tomorrow. And so I want to kind of preface this, and I want to show you this from Scripture, that God does not impose pain upon us. There are some that are of the, the theological thought that God brought this sickness into my life to teach me something. That God broke my marriage up to lead me to better places. That God is inflicting this hardship and this lack upon my life so that I can somehow get to the place where he started me. There are others that cover it up this way. Well, God allowed it. No, 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 no. God is a God who honors our choices. And here's the reality that sometimes even the consequences that we're reaping are not because we made the choice, but because we made ourselves subject to the choices of others. 
So we, we got to really think about this. Romans 2.4 puts it this way. It tells us, and we didn't put it up. It's just something that I, I was thinking about. It tells us that God, uh, uh, he, he, that, the, that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So it's talking about how God leads us to change. And it's the goodness of God. God's not inflicting harm upon you, right? James 1.13 says this. It says that God tempts no man. Right. So God's not going to use something to tempt you, to break you, to, to somehow make you into something better. So the question is, if God isn't the author of our pain, then what is he doing? Because the reality is that be that as it may, that God isn't the initiator or the author of our pain. He's not the one inflicting it upon us. The, the, the reality is that it doesn't negate the fact that we do face painful circumstances. Right. So what is God doing in the midst of this pain? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. First Peter, chapter one, starting at verse three, says this. Praise be to God, to, to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. Watch this. He has given us what? New birth into what? A living hope. Come on. Preach with me here. Right. Into a living hope through the what? Resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Right. It goes on to say in verse 4, and into what? An inheritance. So he's given us something that can never perish. It can't spoil or fade, the scripture tells us. It says that this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Now watch this, verse 5. Who through faith are what? Shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So up to this point, what we're seeing is everything that God has already done, what God has provided. Now watch verse 6. It says, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Whoa. It just got real. We've received all this promise. We, God is at work. But there's Suffering, there's trouble in the midst of this, there's trials. Verse 7 goes on to say, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your what? Faith. Of greater worth than gold which perishes every, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor with Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ is revealed. So I want us to notice something just based on God's word, not my opinion. God's word. What is God's part in this process? What is God doing in the midst of the pain? The scripture tells us that he has given us hope. The scripture tells us that he's provided us an inheritance that cannot spoil or fade. The scripture tells us that we are shielded by God's power until Christ's return. So that's God's part. That's what God has done. But notice that when trials come, the scripture tells us that they come to prove the genuineness of our faith. Get this. What the scripture is actually telling us is that when pain comes, we can use it to prove and approve and grow in our faith. I just want to take a quick poll. How many of us like pain? Okay, I'm in the right church. Yeah. 
Whether you believe in Jesus or not, I get it. Nobody wants to endure painful circumstances. Nobody wants to suffer loss. Nobody wants to uh, live with this, with this burden that pain and suffering brings. And yet, there's something that we have to do. I'm reminded of a, uh, a, a moment from uh, this guy, Alexander the Great. He was a conqueror. Um, and the way the story goes, when they landed in, uh, I want to say it was Macedonia. When they landed there, um, when, when their ships arrived there, they got off the boat and his, uh, one of his uh, key generals says to him, what's our first order of business? What's your first command? What are we to do? And he tells them, burn the ships. And they said to him, that this commander says to him, so how are we supposed to leave? And he says, there's no, there's no, there's no way we're going back. We only have one way to, to fight this battle. We have to go forward. See, as long as you have an escape route, you'll live with pain because you'll run from it. And what you don't realize is that while you're running from it, it's running with you. So what we begin to see from the scripture is that when we have the right response to pain, it results in gain. When we have the right response to pain, it results in gain. Friend, you can be free from your suffering. You can live in a better way. You can break free from your hurts, from those habits that you think plague you when you're actually plaguing yourself with them. Right? We can be free. It reminds me of a time that's very common, and you know, the world at large has heard of this. We're not going to look at it in scripture, but check it out on your own time in Mark 15. You'll find Jesus hanging on a cross. And the journey to the cross was atrocious. It was hard. The scripture says that he was bruised for our transgression, that he was crushed for our iniquity. That the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by the stripes that he took upon his body, we were healed. And we read that and we go, oh, you know, thank you, Jesus. But we fail to realize the magnitude of it. We fail to realize the shame that Jesus endured. We fail to realize the pain that he underwent. We fail to realize the suffering that he went through in the midst of all this. And he did this all in a way that really paints a picture for how we can begin to address pain. Now, I know some of us are of the opinion, well, I'm not Jesus. You're right, you're not. But you have been made in the image of God. And the scripture says that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. In other words, if Jesus endured pain and conquered, we can too. We can too. Somebody say amen if you believe that. And so I want us to see how Jesus responded on the cross. We're going to look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, starting at verse 13. It says, see, my servant will act wisely. Now, you got to get this. What we're reading right here, the book of Isaiah, this is what's commonly referred to as the Dead Sea Scrolls. This was discovered. This is actual biblical account. But what you got to understand is that this was written 800 years before Jesus was even born. And, and so there's no denying the prophecy here. 
And there's no denying that it happened. Even an atheist will tell you, a scientist will tell you, history proves Jesus was crucified. He was crucified. What they question is if he rose. But the scriptures, the Old Testament is riddled with proofs that Jesus actually died and foretold that he would rise again. And history proves that that tomb was actually empty. So it's not a question of if he died or he rose again. So let's go back 800 years before his birth. And it says, see, my servant will act what? Wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Watch this. We think that that means that he was just raised in glory, but it's actually telling us something else. It says, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. Do you know what the scripture is telling us here? It's saying that when Jesus was put upon the cross, you couldn't even recognize that he was human. To that extent, the Lord Jesus went for all of us. But I want us to notice this, because we're going to dig into this a little bit more. I want us to notice that while he was beaten, while he was shamed, while he was ridiculed, while he was mocked, while he was killed, while he endured all that, the scripture tells us that Jesus acted wisely. There was something he knew that people didn't. And I submit to you, friends, that if we're going to circumvent, not circumvent, if we're going to go through and come out on the other side of pain to this place of gain, then we require the same wisdom that was operating in Jesus, the wisdom of God. And so I want to share with you some biblical principles. We're going to dig into the word of God, and I want us to consider the wisdom of God, so that we can begin to go from pain to gain. You ready? Go ahead and tell three people, I'm ready. Tell somebody else, I'm ready. Online, I'm ready. Hey, you ready? You ready? You ready? Yeah. Amen. The first point that I want to submit to you for reflection and application is this. It's that pain leads to gain when we turn trouble into training. Pain leads to gain when we turn trouble into training. Let me show you that from Scripture. James chapter 1, starting at verse 2, says this. It says, consider it, what? Pure joy. Pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, I've taught on this before, but I'll just highlight it. When the Scripture tells us, consider it pure joy, you know what it's saying in the Greek? It's saying, have a party. <laughs> celebrate is what it's saying. But you're going to see why it tells us to celebrate. Verse 3 goes on to say, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It's talking about endurance. It's not talking about patience as a feeling. It's talking about the process of enduring. Verse 4 goes on to say, let perseverance, let endurance finish its work so that you may be what? Say that with me, mature, so that you can grow 
and be complete. Watch this. Not lacking what? Anything. And so I submit to you that the scripture is telling us that in the middle of trouble, in the middle of trials, there is an opportunity to train. The word testing there means to prove the worthiness, the trustworthiness of a thing. So what we're seeing here is that trials, pain, problems prove the reliability of our faith. Let me pause right there for a moment and let's ponder a question for personal reflection. What do, you, what do our responses reveal about our faith when trouble comes? When trouble comes your way in life, how do you respond? Do you become overwhelmed? Do you succumb to anxiety? Do you cry out loud, the, the heavens are falling, the heavens are falling? Do you tell yourself a story that ends in horror? Do you convince yourself that you can't? Do you cry out to God in panic? And while crying out to God is a good thing, panic is the wrong response. You see, friends, trials reveal where we really stand in faith. They reveal where we really stand in faith, but here's the, here's the flip side to that. Trials also reveal an opportunity to train. See, the reason when trials come and we apply our faith, the scripture guarantees this. When you, when you stand upon your faith, when you defer to the truth in God's word, when you stand up against the challenges, knowing that God is for you, so who can be against you? When you hold on to the promise of God that tells you that you have the mind of Christ and that you have an anointing from God and you know all things, even in the face of times when you don't know what to do, but you rely on that promise that says, God, I know all things. I just haven't gotten a revelation of it. So, Father, lead me, guide me, Holy Spirit, teach me according to the word. When you stand in that way, here's what the scripture says in the face of trials. Your faith grows. You know what the problem is? We want to grow faith without trials. We want to grow without any exercise. It's not going to happen. See, trials are training, and when we use them as training, they produce endurance. The capacity to do more. The ability to face more. And this capacity leads to maturity. And so when we train through trials, we become prepared for what matters most. What matters most? James chapter 1, verse 12, just a couple of verses down from the one we read, says this. Blessed is the one who perseveres under what? Under trial. So watch where the blessing is, where you persevere. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the what? The test. That person will what? Receive the crown of life. 
that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Friends, here's the thing. When you, our ability, us daring to face trials in faith prepares us for something far beyond the temporal. This isn't just about this life, friends. It prepares you for eternal results. You know what I love about these verses? They reveal that God actually wants us to grow. And they tell us how to grow. But friend, you can't do it without facing the pain. We have to face the pain. The second point that I want to propose to us for reflection and application is that when you find the joy in your pain, you'll stop using pain to steal your joy. Let me say that again. When you find joy in your pain, you'll stop using pain to steal your joy. That sounds crazy. Who's looking for joy in pain? What, what does that mean? Does that mean that I go, praise God, I'm in pain? No. 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 We just took a moment to consider what happened to Jesus on the cross. But have you ever actually considered how he processed while he was on the cross? Let me put that another way. What was Jesus thinking when he was on the cross? Now, put yourself there for a moment. Put yourself there for a moment. I guarantee you this, because I, I would do the same. You and I would not be on the cross going, I exalt thee. No, you don't be doing, I hurts. Get me down from here. It wasn't me. We'd be thinking about the pain. It was excruciating. It was the worst sentence that could be delivered by Rome. It was a slow death. Painful. So what was Jesus thinking through this experience? Most of us would say it was the pain. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3 tells us differently. Starting at verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders uh, and the sin that so easily entangles us. So get rid of those things that keep you stuck, is what the scripture is saying. And let us run with perseverance to mark the race marked out for us. Then it tells us how. Verse 2, it says, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. In other words, here's what the scripture is saying. If you want to finish your race, if you want to endure, right? If you want to overcome the things that entangle you and keep you stuck, fix your eyes on Jesus. Do it like he did it. It says, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Watch this. So that you will not what? Grow weary and lose heart. Let's go back to verse 2, please, if we could put that up real quick. I want you to consider what the scripture is telling us. Jesus felt pain. But he experienced joy. Look at the scripture for yourself. Jesus felt pain. But his experience was joy. 
How is that possible? How is it possible to experience joy while feeling pain? Let me tell you, let me tell you how. Because he saw you while he was up there. What's my point with that? You made it worth it. Why do I share that with you? Because it teaches us something about joy in the midst of pain. See, joy has a greater purpose than happiness, friends. Joy has a greater purpose than happiness. Joy gives us a reason to endure through pain, and it helps us cast off shame. When it says that he endured, you know, that suffering on the cross, and he, he discarded the shame, that, when, that word shame there speaks of a pain that comes from disgrace and dishonor. And so literally what we're seeing is that there is joy to be found in all pain because there's always something greater than what's hurting us to set our eyes on. In other words, oftentimes we focus so much on what pains us that we lose sight of what can be the end result on the other side. We lose sight of what makes it worth standing up to the pain. We lose sight of the greater things in life. Listen, I get it. This hurts. This loss hurts. But friend, while this loss hurts, you still have the memories that point you to life. That produce joy. I get it. This marriage that I thought was forever is broken. They're gone. I get it. It hurts. But friend, in the midst of your loss, God is trying to supply you a greater gain. He promises that he's the one that is near to the brokenhearted. He's the one that supplies comfort to those who are hurting. Friends, my point is that in the midst of pain, there's always an opportunity for joy because God is not absent. God is working. He is. He is. See, you may be going through pain because of some false accusations. God promises that what's in the dark will come to light. You may have pain because of a loved, a, a, the loss of a loved one. God promises that mourning endures for the night. But that there's this place called joy in the morning. You will rejoice again is what he's saying. Right? You, you, you may have uh, pain because of betrayal and resentment that you harbor in your heart, but God promises that vengeance is his. So instead of remaining bitter, choose to get better by releasing it into God's hands and walking in the freedom that you already have. You can forgive. See, when we focus on what we can gain on the other side of our pain, we'll start winning the day. And we'll discover a better life. This is God's will. This is God's will. But oftentimes we focus so much on the pain that we believe that's all there is. There's something more in the midst of your pain. There's an opportunity. There's a reason to rejoice. Listen, even if everything has still crumbled, everything has crumbled around you, you're still standing. Can I ask a question, just a quick poll, just raise your hand for me if, if, if you've been there. 
How many of you have suffered some loss in life? Right? We've all suffered some loss, right? Online too, we've, we've suffered some loss. Hey, let me ask you a question. Did you ever find yourself in a place when you were there that you thought, how am I ever going to get through this? Right? But now you look back and you go, I made it. See, we lose sight of that. We lose sight of that. You may be hurting, but you're not helpless. There's a, there's, a, there's a season, there are times where we go through painful circumstances, but there's also a season of joy. And it's not, as a matter of fact, it's not a season. It's for a lifetime with Jesus. The next point that I want to propose for reflection and application is that pain is inevitable. But you see, suffering is optional. Pain is inevitable. But suffering is optional. See, this is a powerful truth that we have to reconcile if we want to win the day because God can't heal the hurts that we still hold. God cannot heal what you hold on to. God can't change it. God can't bring comfort. He can't release strength there. You can't walk in the blessing there because you're still holding on to it. And pain happens. But friend, suffering is what we allow to happen to us. Now I get it. There's at least one person in here to, thinking right now, well, doesn't the Bible say that we're going to suffer for the cause of Christ? Doesn't the scripture say that if we're going to follow Christ that we're going to suffer? It does say that, but listen closely. It says it's for the sake of Christ. In other words, there are times when you will follow Jesus as you're following Jesus, that there will be things that will come against you, and it's not because you inflicted that suffering upon yourself. It's a consequence of standing in faith. And so the scripture says that in the midst of that suffering, there's hope. There's the promise that we're going to make it. That, my friend, is a different kind of suffering. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about suffering that's self-imposed. I'm talking about suffering that is born out of pain that we refuse to let go. And that suffering, my friend, is optional. God has not called you to torment yourself. God has called us to be free people. So, Philippians 4, starting at verse 8, says this, Finally, brothers and sisters... Finally! Finally! This is the point that I've been wanting to get to you the whole time, Paul says. Watch this. Whatever is true. Let me translate that for you in layman's terms. Whatever is the truth. And he's not talking about the facts. He's talking about whatever is true according to what God says. Right? So whatever is true, right? He says, whatever is right. Now notice, again, I'm just going to give it to you in layman's terms. When it talks about whatever is right, it's talking about whatever is the right thing to do. Right? He says, whatever is pure. You know what he's talking about there? High moral character. Right? Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. You know what he's talking about there? 
whatever is pleasing to God, whatever is admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, watch this, think about such things. Focus on these things. Why? Verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, watch this, put that into practice. And the God of peace will be what? With you. I want you to see the determining factor in the peace of God. I want you to see the gateway to peace with God. It's already there. But I want you to consider what the gateway is. How are you thinking about your circumstances? Listen, this was written while Paul was in prison. He was in the midst of great difficulty. If you go a couple of verses before this, you'll see that he just finished telling the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he goes on to say, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God and the peace of God. I mean, he, he goes to great length to talk about this joy and this peace. But here he tells us how. Friends, if you want to break free from suffering born out of pain, you have to think about what God says is true in the midst of your pain. I may be down, but I am never out in Christ. Listen, that's the truth. That is the truth. We have to think about what the scripture tells us about what is right and moral and good. What's the right thing to do here despite what the world says is right? Despite what the trend is, the agenda is. What's of high moral character? What's the right thing to do? We got to think on those things. And the scripture says that as we begin to meditate, to think on those things, to reorient our train of thought in that direction, <laughs> it tells us that it leads us to peace. You want to break away from your pain? You want to break away from your suffering? Here's the key. Here's the key. So the next time trouble comes, oh my God, the sky is falling. No, the sky's still there. You're still standing. God brought you through before. He'll do it again. Amen. Right? Never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. God, God is still supplying. Right? Jesus said, why am I worrying about tomorrow? Sufficient of the cares for today. Just like he cares for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Of how much more value am I than they? Doesn't he care for me? Come on now. You got to begin to tell yourself what God has already told you. And I'm going to tell you why this is important. Because oftentimes when we give in to self-inflicted suffering, 
When we hold on to pain, friends, what we're doing is we're letting pain change what's true. You're letting pain change you. The last point I want to leave you with here as we close is that when you have pain, don't forget that God still has you. You have pain. Don't forget that God still has you. Let me give you a portion of scripture here. Psalm 34, 18 says this. The Lord is what? Close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Let's leave that up for a moment, please. That's interesting. When the scripture says that he saves those who are crushed in spirit, that word saved there is written in what is known in theological terms as the intransitive tense. In other words, it is a verb. It's an, it's an action word. But it's an action word that is actually in the process of happening. In other words, it's happening. Right? So, the reason why I mention that to you is because just because you're hurting doesn't mean God isn't working. So when the scripture says that he saves those who are crushed in spirit, here's what it's saying in the Greek. That word save means to liberate. It means to avenge. It means to defend. It means to rescue. It means to preserve. But because the tense is intransitive, here's what it's actually saying. God is liberating you. God is avenging you. God is defending you. God is preserving you. God is rescuing you. Listen, we serve the same God that Israel knew. We serve the same God that brought them through, that parted uh, seas, that opened the windows of heaven and provided spiritual manna. We serve the same God that rose from the dead so that we could rise through. We serve the same God who made a way where there was no way. We serve the same God that loves people in the Bible, that loves you. We serve the same God that said to them, I'm liberating you. I'm rescuing you. I'm defending you. I'm avenging you. I'm preserving you. Friends, let's stand up this morning as we come to a close. Here's the truth. Pain happens. Pain happens. Pain comes. But pain is meant to go. Pain is meant to go. But here's the truth, friend. We have to make a choice. We have to choose 
to go from a place of suffering to the place of salvation. We have to shift from a belief system that we are victims and see that God has prescribed everything that we need to live in victory. We have to realize that pain isn't God's purpose for you. No. God wants you to heal. And for some of us, that begins today. And for all of us, it remains true. God wants us to live in a place of gain. To train in trouble. So that we can grow and be free. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.